Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ed. And this is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. All right, Frederico, what is happening this week? This week we're chatting with Ryan John, who was a very successful radio presenter, but decided to move into Facebook and YouTube and has done pretty well. I mean, YouTube, if nothing else, has taught us that people want to know the real people and get to know you personally and be relatable and be a human. Hey, uh, before we get started, if you like this podcast that we've put together for you, please let us know on Apple Podcasts by leaving a review. We'd love to hear what you think about it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Creator Generation. This week, we are joined by Ryan John. Ryan, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be on. And can I just start with like a, an asterisk? <laughs> no, um, no, no, no. Well, oh, this whole well, year, 2020 is an asterisk. So let's let's hear it. What's your asterisk? Well, my asterisk is that I love listening to the podcast and doing your courses. And I feel like I should be someone who's listening to it <laughs> rather than talking on it and giving <laughs> advice, if that makes sense. <laughs> I feel a bit out of my depth. And then I'm in, still in the learning phase. Well, uh, the good thing is we do mention in the description, I'm sure somewhere, that it, it, we're, we're about learning about people's successes and failures. Um, so I'm maybe, not saying I'm a failure. I'm just saying I'm learning. <laughs> I'm just starting. You are, you are, you are learning. You're, you know, I, I think, um, and we'll, we'll, we should probably explain who, who you are and you can do it better than I can, but you, you have experience in, in multi, you know, multiple platforms and, and different areas of content, both um, from the creator side and then maybe, I don't know, the big bad behemoth media side. Maybe that sounds too nasty. But um, like you know, everyone knows, I suck at introductions of what people do. I'd, I'd, and actually, I, I, I think, I think this, Ant, we've this, established over the last 60 episodes yeah. how much you suck at introductions. And, and, you know, <laughs> I, I want to remind everyone that and any new listeners need to know this. But I was thinking about it last night, how I would introduce you. And there was like a lot of, lot of, a lot of sort of words to describe the different things that you do. And I rec- I'm very curious well, to hear. Well, say them all and we'll make someone edit it, edit it later and choose the best ones. <laughs> oh, well, like, how do you, like, what, maybe introduce yourself and let's see how. Well, well, that's the awkward thing, especially, I mean, in the community that we're in of sort of content creators and YouTubers and stuff, trying to explain to your parents <laughs> what you do. Like I did a, a little job for SBS last week, uh, just, just a video and a few social posts. And I remember mum saying, oh, maybe it could lead to a job. And I was like, no, 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 like me doing all of this stuff is the job. <laughs> like this is what it is. Uh, and she still didn't quite understand that. But yeah, I worked in, I was actually an accountant as we were talking about off air for a little bit. And I did a bit of radio and, and stuff on the side. And then the radio on the side turned into doing radio full-time, breakfast radio with the hit network um, around the country in Perth and Canberra. And I think I was in Perth uh, when I first met you guys. And then, you know, as the world sort of shifted to video and online, I sort of did as well. And sort of as radio went from a side hustle to the main gig, uh, then radio kind of became that main job. But video was my side gig. And then I've, <laughs> I've stopped doing radio at the moment and just sort of full-time YouTube and video making at the moment. But having said that, I, I do have some some plans and projects for, for radio and podcast soon, but I'm quite enjoying the kind of freelance creator lifestyle, to be honest, even though it was a bit of a shit year to decide to do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's sort of where I'm at at the moment, I guess. Cool. And and how do you go from being an accountant to uh, someone on the radio? 
Well, this is like the nerdiest thing to say, but I was sort of like the class clown of the accounting firm, <laughs> which is like the weirdest thing to say. Um, but I was definitely the one, I, I worked at NAB, you know, one of the big four banks and then at Pitcher Partners, which was a big firm. And, you know, I was always coming into work and being like, oh my God, you'll never guess what happened on the train. And and I remember my boss at Pitcher Partners said, Ryan, if you want to you know, tell slapstick stories for a living. You should go and get a radio job because he's not the place for it. Um, and so you could imagine, and he was a bit of a stiff. Everyone else was really nice. Uh, and so you can imagine the pride and smugness when literally like five weeks later, I had my piece of paper. Let's pretend it was this case of fire wrapper. And I walked in, I was like, hey, remember how a month ago you said I should go get a radio job? Well, guess what? I got one. Here's my letter of resignation. I'm out. <laughs> and it, uh, it felt very nice. Um, but having said that, I did speak to HR and said, you know, spoke to them and they said, look, you're young and at the time, single, no mortgage, no children. I've got nothing to lose. And they're like, if you want to go and try some radio stuff and come back, like, just give us a call if you want your job back. And I'm still every day just crossing my fingers that it's not going to be the day where I have to call them back and beg for my job back. Get the abacus back out. And yeah. Yeah. That's, um, my, my uncle was, has, is still in radio. He's been in radio his whole whole life almost, and he was aspiring to be in radio. And Mum tells the story that he, as a kid, would practice his radio voice at night, and he's got a phenomenal radio voice like that. Were you were you practicing your radio voice before you you got into radio? Uh, I was on air for many years, and I still don't have one. <laughs> I think hopefully um, that's over. <laughs> that's done. I think. I mean, YouTube, if nothing else has taught us that people want to know the real people and get to know you personally and, and you know, be relatable and be a human, uh, really. And I work uh, with a few podcasters and stuff now and I, I always say, like, when in doubt, just be a human. Um, so I still don't have that big radio voice. Although a lot of content directors would often tell me that I need to lift my energy, you know, get a bit more up. Um, and But I'm naturally... I know a bit more calm than they would like. But again, the commercial radio standards of energy is pretty high. Uh, so my low energy for them is probably more than enough for the regular person, I would have thought. Awesome. Fred, you've, you're among us then. You probably have the radio voice. Uh, I don't know what you mean. Exactly <laughs> are you oh. talking about? <laughs> Can you give Fred, I reckon you could do a, a late night on smooth kind of vibe. I reckon you could really lean into that. Maybe smoking some cigarettes on it, you know. Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, I could. Um, I, uh, I was thinking about making a chat like a sleep channel where I just talk and tell random stories till people fall asleep. <laughs> I think, I'd oh, listen. You see that? I was, yeah. Here, here at Creator Generation, we have nothing but the hits. Top yeah. creators yeah. all day, all every day, night. Every nothing day. but the best. I'm going to describe this um, apple on my desk. So, it's round. Slightly Before rare. we go on crazy segues and, and tangents and <laughs> before, wherever before the hell we go, which is normally where I like to take things. Um, <laughs> what? So you, you recently sort of threw in like the breakfast radio, commercial radio host job um, yep. late last year, right? Yeah. What, what made you do that? Like what were you thinking like at the time? Like a lot of people go like they cr- start creating online content because they want to end up in the breakfast radio host gig or the tv presenter gig yeah made it go the other way around i couldn't believe even even as i was doing it i couldn't believe it like it was my dream job and no one like quits their dream job right um well it was my dream job when i got it but like that's the thing like it changed and um it wasn't my dream job when i left it obviously but one of the main things was uh bridget my fiance got a great job here in victoria in the grampians and uh 
it's one of these really old wineries. She's a winemaker, um, you know, 100-year-old vines. Jobs don't come up that often. And she said, oh, I think i got to take this. So the plan was to kind of go a bit long distance and see who was liking their job a bit more. And she was loving it and she's doing a really great job and like really killing it. And I was, you know, I was starting to chat to guys like you and, and other creators and I just sort of thought, oh, more people are consuming my stuff online than they are on the radio. Um, I was getting a bit frustrated with radio's, you know, lack of innovation and evolving with their audience. And, you know, I was, I think frustrated was the best word. And I'm like, well, I could sit here and be frustrated for another five years or I could just put my money where my mouth is and, and go. <laughs> um, like I said, I, I do have plans to, to get back to radio, but I, I went and saw like, what would you call it? Like a career coach sort of thing. And he said, write down the best five things that you did this year. Um, or maybe it was 10 things, but I wrote them down and only one of them was on the radio and the other, you know, seven or eight were online. And then he said, well, you know, you've just written that. So it seems like you don't really need to go into work. And if you're a whole country away from your partner and you're getting a bit frustrated by it, you know, if you can figure it out financially, just, just leave. Um, so that's what I did. Um, the radio station paid for me to see that career coach and we're pretty pissed off that that was his outcome. <laughs> and they're like, we're not going to pay for you to see him again. Um, so I had a few more sessions with him that I had to pay for myself. Um, and then it was just a matter of, you know, trying to exit cleanly and, you know, because it's a bit weird when you, there's a lot of marketing, a lot of spend. So you want to do a bit of a nice handover and finish up on a nice note and introduce your replacement and, you know, there's sort of plans and stuff like that. You don't just want to disappear. Um, so I kind of started that process and yeah, thought I'll just go freelance for a while, teach myself some skills, come back to Victoria and then a pandemic hit. So, <laughs> um, and that's where we are now. So were there were like, uh, like cardboard cutouts of you and stuff on like, you know, on billboards and in the office. Yeah, there was bill billboards, there was cutouts in the office. There was just me on a bus, like doing a wacky thing. And people used to tag me in it on Insta stories all the time. and be like, oh, look out. <laughs> um, which uh, it's really, I find it embarrassing. But I, I worked with a, a co-host once where we were at a cafe and a bus of the two of us drove past. And she said, oh my God, if my friends from high school could see me now and I saw it and went, oh my God, if my friends from high school saw me now, <laughs> that would be like, um, so yeah, it's, it's weird commercial radio. And, and again, that was one of the things where I was like, why are we advertising on buses when everyone's looking at their phone? Why don't we advertise on people's phones or make content for their phones? Oh, we'll just stick with the buses. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really a strange old world, that one. Interesting. And like, how's the uh, start of your, well, you've, I mean, you're an established content creator on YouTube. You've been around for a little while. Um, yeah. And how's that going now that you're able to give more time to it? Um, it's going good. I, I probably don't give it as still as much time as I like. I, you know, help and do some podcasts with bits and pieces and, and consult to a few companies and stuff like that. But um, it's really awesome Actually, the biggest change is I've actually taught myself how to shoot and edit, which seems really obvious to, you know, the creator generation community. But in radio, you've got a digital guy. Um, and sometimes if you want to make a video, you have to see if he's available and has he got time to edit it. And it's actually, it's, I mean, liberating seems a bit over the top of a word to use, but to be able to go film yourself, edit it this afternoon and put it online tonight is just so freeing. You know, it feels great that you can just do stuff. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. And... I guess I don't. I haven't really 
carved out a niche per se, but I, I think everything's just based on sort of storytelling. And for instance, there was a guy the other day who was a bit down on his luck. Um, he had some brain cancer, some troubles, and he decided he was going to set up a little cafe on the front lawn of his house and just make free coffees for everyone because he thought everyone deserved to have something good happen in their day because Victoria's having a rough one. I was like, what a legend. So I just grabbed the camera, went down, shot it, and like I said, it was up that night. And then the following night, it, my footage was on Channel 7 and Channel 9 in the Ballarat local news or whatever. Um, and it just felt really nice to be able to go shoot a story, uh, spread a positive message. And, you know, because it did a couple of hundred thousand views to kind of get paid for it. Like it's sort of strange. And even though I, in my mind, am a new, new YouTuber or new to the game, uh, when people realize that's the only job I have and we're financially doing okay, people are like, oh my God, that's all I can dream about. So it's sort of, you've got to remind yourself how how good you've got it, I guess. Because most creators, their dream is just that to be their job, right? That would be a pretty common one for, for people starting out. Absolutely. No, it, it really is. But, um, and, and like, have you found that like you've really settled into it and it's like something you want to do long-term now? Well, what I did and figured out with that career coach guy who turned out to be like really valuable. Uh, he sort of helped me figure out that the reason I loved radio wasn't because of the radio. It was about storytelling and creating content, um, which is what YouTubers do. It's what podcasters do. It's just, you know, a different medium to do it. Um, so whether it's doing radio I hosted a TV show for six months, which Ant was a guest on. <laughs> Thanks, Ant. Um, uh, I thought about that until now. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it doesn't matter if it's on the TV or radio. You're still just telling stories and creating content. So for me, it's the same job, sort of, if, as weird as that seems. And who's to say in 30 years that like content and stories will always be around. It's just the way they're told and where they're told that's going to change. And I think if you're just, you know, happy to adapt and go with the flow and keep upskilling and keep new and keep learning things, then, I mean, yeah, I, I plan on doing a version <laughs> of what I'm doing now forever pretty much. That's a, that's a really good insight too though, right? Like it, these are transferable skills regardless of the platform um, and whether that is a social video platform or a more traditional inverted commas traditional media platform right like um do you like there's a couple of different tangents i want to go with that but i'll go with the the one that first came to mind is like you're sort of coming from a well accountant then to radio so let's start with the radio but like you know the traditional media to to social video and social media and, and stuff and then you know transferring in and out of those traditional worlds do you see this traditional landscape um looking at online talent and being able to work with them yet? I think they can, but I don't think you would. Like I was talking to a manager, actually not a manager, this other guy, and he said, oh, I'll, I, I, there was a chance to do this thing with Spotify, right? Uh, a podcast thing. And they said, if it goes really well, you know, then we might be able to get you a radio job. And I was like, if Spotify is going well, why the hell would I want to be on radio for? Um, and I And I've spoken to a lot of people about that that youtube used to be this oh if i go really well on youtube then i could get into tv and i'm like why on earth would you want to be on tv if you're doing well on youtube it just uh and i think people are figuring that out and i think casey neistat was the original one who said no the goal isn't to move from youtube to tv to movies the goal is to go from youtube to 
better YouTube <laughs> and cooler YouTube. Because um, I don't know anyone who watches TV on free-to-air and likes it. <laughs> um, I, I don't know many people that listen to radio, but I know lots of people that listen to podcasts and watch YouTubers. So why would you not just keep making that? I think, um, and, and I'm guilty of this, sometimes I feel like I need to have hit 92.9 uh, behind me to make me feel like I'm legitimate. I work for a legitimate brand that people know and that makes me real. Uh, sitting here in my bedroom, I'm just some guy in his bedroom, but <laughs> you, you don't need a brand or a corporation to make you a legitimate creator. If you press publish, then you're creating. <laughs> um, and like I said, I, I have battles with that myself going, oh, you know, I'm not really the real deal until I'm doing it from somewhere cool. But I don't know, you get to those big companies and you go, geez, how good would it be to live in the Grampians and work by yourself? <laughs> so it's a catch-22. So my advice was like, would be, yeah, if you're doing really well in new media, why would you go backwards? Um, it's like getting uh, a job at Netflix to get experience so you could move to Blockbuster. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Good advice. I think, I think the uh, last remaining Blockbuster is now an Air- Airbnb. Is it? That's so funny. Oh, actually, I saw that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, did you know that uh, Blockbuster had the chance to buy Netflix for $50 million? I, I heard, uh, I mean, there was that rumor early on about, you know, them being laughed out of the boardroom or something like that. Well, Netflix was like, can you please buy us for $50 million? And Blockbuster was like, get out of the room. And now one doesn't exist and the other is producing billions of dollars of content and worth $100 billion. Like, yeah, it's wild. So. Cool. Hey, Ryan, I want to. I want to ask. Obviously, you you have a uh, a business financial background, um, yep. and obviously you're a creator now, so that gives you a little bit more insight into the business side of of content creation. I mean, we we know a lot of creators who you know they grow really big and then they get undone by the fact that they don't understand like the business side of things. So they can only grow so far because you know their business starts to grow and they start to get more brand deals and then they sort of flounder because they don't understand account, you know accounting. I, mean, uh, I think I was watching yep. uh, shit. Creek last night, and like the son was like, "Oh, I think I can buy anything because it's like it's like a write-off." He doesn't say what write-off was. He's kept writing things off so he could just buy them. He thinks the government yeah, gave him back yeah. money. So, and it just made me think about creators. I'm like, oh man, sometimes like even some really straightforward concepts um, from the business world sort of get left behind. And what do you, what, how do you feel one about having that experience? Well, first of all, I actually don't like when people just clump together and say the business side because there's so many different aspects of the business side that you might know some of them and not the others and I don't pretend to know all of them. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's weird and I think the main thing for me is having worked in like consulting and having clients and stuff uh, is just sort of thinking, well, what's in it for them? So when people say, oh, my podcast has this many listens, my YouTube has this many views, brand, give me money, please. And it's about how many views they have and they want the money. Oh, I'm entitled to it because I heard uh, on this YouTuber podcast that when you get this many views, you can make this much money. And you say, yeah, but what's in it for the brand? And they're like, what do you mean? And I think just being able to look at it from their perspective um, and going, well, what's in it for them? This is what they want. They want to sell T-shirts. Do people that listen to your podcast or watch your YouTube channel do they like wearing t-shirts? Because if they don't, then it doesn't matter how many views you have. <laughs> um, so just, I guess, being aware of, you know, those sort of marketing fundamentals, not to market your podcast, but to kind of be a bit of an advocate for the brands that you're working with. Because if you've got a million people who are only interested in one thing, then trying to sell them something else is kind of irrelevant. Um, so just being aware of, of that and thinking, how can I help this brand? 
it just really opens up the conversations and makes you a lot more valuable valuable rather than just saying, I've got this many views, money, please. Um, it seems, I hate using the word entitled because I feel like it gets said a lot when discussing young people, but it just, you're probably worth the money to someone, but you got to think about why. Um, and I think just having that mindset uh, can really just open open up your thinking and, and, and make yourself really valuable and, and perhaps make the, the money that you need to, to help get yourself by. Yeah, I was actually had a note to ask you about brand deals because like you, you know, you're, you're active on, and I want to dive into that in a second too, you're active on a whole bunch of different platforms. Um, yeah, and- which is a blessing and a curse, I might say, because I've read so many places that are like, just do really well at one or two of them instead of being kind of okay at four or five of them. And like, <laughs> uh, and I'm a, a victim of that problem. <laughs> but, it, but I, I find it interesting, like what I wanted to ask is like, you, you know, you're, you're doing from like a, you know, the vanity metric side of things, like you've got decent channels. They're not like stratospheric, like, you know, you, Instagram's like a bit over 35,000-ish or something yep. like that. YouTube, I have no idea because you hide your subscriber account. But Do it I? doesn't matter. Right? Oh, I can tell you it's 7,000 something. I didn't realize that was not public. Yeah, you've turned That's it all right. We could, we could fix that for you. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, it's probably, it's probably, I can see it because I'm logged in as me, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I honestly didn't know it wasn't public. <laughs> no. But yeah, you it's know, about like- seven thousand, and then Facebook is like two hundred and forty thousand ish. So that's my main one. And I think the first time I spoke to one of you, I was like, "How do I get the people from Facebook over to YouTube?" Pretty uh, much, I think that was the first question you asked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But like you know, aside from like Facebook, that's a big number. But you know, they're good numbers. They're not like millions and millions of subscribers. Yep. But you seem to have. Um, quite consistent and quite savvy brand deals, right? Like I, like I seem to see you are working with brands on a frequency and I, I can't speak to the scale of those deals and that's probably not important really, but that on channels much, much bigger and, would, you know, the perception side of things should then be doing more brand deals. But like you sort of addressed before, that's not the case. Like what is it? What's your secret source there? Like why are you so brand savvy or how does that come about? Um, well, <laughs> well, I'll take that as a compliment because I wouldn't consider myself brand savvy. Um, I'm still figuring that out. But I think what we were talking about before, just sort of being aware of, of who your audience is. And so a lot of my stuff on YouTube and in general really has been about the fact that I was adopted and have a pretty cool story that I did an ancestry DNA test and I found my birth father and I've got all these other family members on the other side of the world, which is really cool. And I had a big spike in followers from people who were also adopted or are into genealogy or however you say the thing when you're into family trees and whatever. Yeah, um, little blue people that live in bottles. I'm down with that, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> um, but so I knew that my audience was into that sort of stuff. So when I was speaking to Ancestry, I was sort of said, well, look, you can buy a TV ad and reach 50,000 people and hope 5,000 are into it or you can work with me who might get 20,000 views but 19,000 of the 20,000 views are really into this stuff. Um, that's a pretty good starting place. Um, and to think of, you know, what's in it for them. Uh, and I guess the other thing is that uh, not that I aim to be family friendly, uh, but I'm not really out there that would scare brands off. I think there's a lot of, you know, especially younger people starting off in YouTube doing prank wars, which 
are hilarious, you know, all these fails and stuff, uh, or some people that are, you know, quite political, it's brands are like, oh, good for you, happy to see you doing well, but I don't want to put my brand next to your really strong and controversial thoughts necessarily. And I've even found um, I've had some great videos get demonetized and I thought, oh, gee, that, you know, that was next month's rent because it did a million views, but you made four bucks out of it instead of what you'd normally get. Um, so I think being, and again, it was never like the plan, uh, but most of my stuff is fairly positive and, and fairly, you know, uplifting or family or great stories. And I think that's something that a brand is happy to be a part of because they can be a hero in a good story rather than just tacked on the end of something. And so that would be one thing. And another is, is actually just creating content for the brand. I, how many influencers do you see just holding the product and being like, here it is money, please from Brent. Like, you know, I, I have a think about it and go, what's a fun story I could tell that intertwines this product and not just me holding it at the end. And I think YouTube has been really great at that or YouTubers that you've got tech YouTubers talking about tech products that they actually use. It's so much different to just getting a hot girl holding a laptop being like buy Lenovo. <laughs> um, so I think being able to create content for the brand instead of just slapping the brand on it uh, is a strength of the new generation, which I'm sort of trying to embrace. Hey, like speaking of the other, the, you, you mentioned that you're sort of across a whole bunch of platforms and you, you're sort of, well, using your words, mediocre at all of them. I, I debate that. <laughs> um what, I wanted to. I, I kind of wanted to go through the the list of of social platforms and see see what ones you're on and what what do you do on them. So okay. you got YouTube, right? Yep. So yep. What do you do on YouTube? So YouTube. Well, a lot of my videos, the sort of story ones, are between three and six minutes. Say some get to about ten minutes, but I was trying to invent in my mind this like little sweet spot where it could work on Facebook. YouTube and Instagram TV and obviously I might change the shape and I might have subtitles on Facebook but not YouTube but essentially it would be the same video. Um, I don't know if that's a good idea because, you again, you could just be doing all three of them okay instead of doing one of them really well. Um, but so YouTube is basically, I don't know, very loosely I would just say storytelling uh, and vlog type material and from, a bit, yeah, about sort of three to six minutes-ish I reckon. So that's YouTube. Okay, Instagram in the feed. Uh, in the feed, um, yeah, some fun photos. You know, bit of life stuff. Uh, again, I, I might do um, an Instagram TV video, which is a few minutes long, or even if it's like a screenshot of the YouTube video, like a thumbnail type thing to say there's a new video out. Um, but I, one thing I am wary of is I don't want to use any platform to promote another one. I feel like you need to respect the platform you're on. So. If I do something on Instagram, it needs to work for Instagram. If you do something on Facebook, it needs to work on Facebook. I don't, I don't want to, you know, just become a place that sends you to another place. <laughs> um, but yeah, Instagram is a bit of a mismatch. And I actually like reels. I actually like watching reels. And as you can imagine, thinking of a 15-second video is a lot easier than thinking of a five-minute one and producing it. So I'm kind of tempted by the, the easy win and the easy validation that some Instagram reel likes will get you. <laughs> Interesting. What about TikTok then? Are you on TikTok or is it? I am. No, I am TikTok, uh, but I, I haven't been for the last few months. And I was actually talking to someone this yesterday. I kind of am a victim of fake news <laughs> because I was scared that the US was going to have it banned or blocked or whatever. And then I thought, well, if the US is blocked, is that sort of it? Like, 
is any social media strong enough to survive in the Western world without the US? So I kind of got a bit, oh, don't waste your time on that. It's, it's on the way out, but it seems to have survived. <laughs> um, but it, 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 I actually love watching it. I love watching TikTok more than any other platform probably because it's quick, it's fun, it's creative. And what I think is exciting about it is if you've got 12-year-olds thinking about transitions and how to tell a story quick and what's the funny thing at the end and how do I do this funny effect, can you imagine when these people in 20 years have got 20 years experience of filmmaking and how awesome movies and YouTube's going to be in when they're older? I just think that's real exciting. So um, I think that's cool. Uh, it's a yeah. really, really good point. Because I didn't know what a transition was like 18 months ago. I'm in my 30s, you know. <laughs> um, and so the fact that these kids are going to have five years filmmaking experience when they finish high school is just ludicrous. So, yeah, exciting times ahead, I reckon. And some of them are unbelievable with those, the transitions and the masking and the, like, it's it's actually incredible. And as someone who, when I'm watching a movie, will be reading on Wikipedia like, oh, did you know they shot this in this place because the light comes in different? You know, I, I'm kind of a nerd for how they made it and stuff. So I'm loving the seeing the creativity and thinking about how they made it and, and whatnot. Awesome. Uh, Snapchat, you're on Snapchat? I'm not. I made the call years ago. I'm too old. <laughs> uh, and I felt like Instagram stories just ended it. Like I, I've probably got Snapchat, but I just don't use it. Interesting. Speaking of too old, Facebook, that's now the uh, older person platform, some people it, say. It really is. And that's why I was sort of trying to, I guess, sort of transition across. But having said that, it, it's sort of my one of my biggest sort of income makers. And because I do tell, you know, family stories and positive stories and talk about my adoption and ancestry story, it's, it's sort of the perfect age for that content. You know, I've got a lot of uh, people go, oh, Instagram, uh, sorry, Facebook's for for mums in their forties now, and I'm like, well, that's sort of a sweet spot for me. <laughs> so I'm I'm quite happy with it, even if I don't use it as much as a percentage of all the platforms myself. It's still a, a really good place to put content and to make content. And in the back end, the ability to target and use ads and Facebook Ads Manager, it's actually a really powerful tool. Yeah, I I, I don't like I don't know if you are, but you shouldn't be ashamed of that like facebook and the audience and it's it's like great insight to know where your audience is and the type of content they like and feeding that and yeah and i do when i was saying before i kind of try to have this sweet spot where the video works for all sometimes i'll go oh this isn't a, a facebook it, it is more of a youtube so i won't always put all of them and you know I'll, I'll kind of go oh no the facebook audience will really love this but instagram might not be as interested so i'll just post this one here and and you know i'll, I'll sort of have a, a little bit of a think about what's the best for which platform I'm going to keep going. Triller, are you on Triller? I'm not. But again, when TikTok, I love the concept of TikTok and I thought, well, if Triller's the new TikTok, then I'll just move across. But I, I haven't yet. What are you guys on? What do you do? What are you, what's Hang your... on, no, this is all about you. Keep going. Okay. Twitter? Twitter, I'm on it. I was like on it 15 years ago and I reckon I like went hard on it for a year, then was off it for three years. <laughs> I went back on it for a year. So I'm not that active as a creator. Uh, however, I do find myself... Like I wake up every morning and go on Twitter just to make sure the US still exists. Do you guys do that now? Like I, because <laughs> uh, I feel like Twitter will know first. Um, and I also enjoy Twitter during live sport or like the finale of a big TV show to kind of get that live commentary of what other people think. Um, so I like it for that, but I'm not a huge tweeter per se. Uh, Discord? Are you on Discord? No, nah, nah. never heard of it. <laughs> but. 
You want bite? Is that bite dance? No, bite is the new vine. And, and are you just going to go through every social media platform? I want to know. I'm this, curious. We, we're literally running out. We have, uh, we have, we have on, like... Ant, are you on Friendster and Bebo? <laughs> we have like are four you? minutes left, Ant. You just keep asking oh, no, him this just, okay, I've got a couple... Oh, um, you on any of the Chinese ones? Weibo? No. WeChat? No. Tinder? Uh, I'm not, no. I was, but again, I've upgraded to being engaged. <laughs> Good. That was a test. Um, no, I'm just curious. I'm, like, there's all there's all these social platforms, and well, it it is a thing, and I actually want to know what what we touched on before. Your opinion, both Anne and Fred, of the like I said, the concept of you know, do you be really great at one or two of them, or do you risk trying to do four and risk that not any of them are going to pop because you're kind of spreading yourself thin? What's you know, what's your professional advice, and I guess maybe your your gut feel on that kind of balance. I'm sure every, lots of people have this similar dilemma. What do you want me to go first, Ant, or do you want to? You can go first. Yeah, sure. Cool. I've been talking about. I've just been listing stuff. Yeah, you've just been. You're listing, Ant, if Ant had his way, he the, the show would just be like start to finish. Like, what social <laughs> platform were you on? Like, how do you find it? No, but it look. Um, we always say, or at least I always say, to creators is like, do the ones that make sense to you. Don't get, you know that fear of missing out and trying to do as many as possible because you'll just do all of them badly, right? Yeah. Um, as you'd know from being a creator on all the platforms, they all take work to get. Any success or any measure of success, unless you're really lucky. And then even if you are lucky, you still need all that work to back up to continuously get viewership. Um, it does take effort to get viewership. So, um, you know, pick your main platform, the one you want to, you know, with your home base, and then use the other ones to support it and build audiences there as well. Um, but, yeah, just pick a couple that make sense to you and make sense to your audience, right? So um, that's the way we well, – what's the recommendation I make to creators generally. And does – does my theory, and like I said, it's it's more of my wishful thinking of trying to find that right length of video that can work across multiple, is that a bit of a cop-out or is that smart or what do you reckon? I mean, that's not a bad idea, but the problem with that is that even if you create video on those platforms, like the thing about I think what makes a platform memorable and workable is that it is different to another one in some way, right? Yeah. So you don't have like two exact Facebooks, you don't have two exact YouTubes, they have all these ones that use different things and they're good for different things. So it's very hard to find a perfect piece of video that transcends every platform, right? Yes, you can have a core bit of video then you can recut and repurpose on the different platforms and basically, you know, pyramid down uh, depending on what you do. But ideally, you know, you make, you know, one great video for YouTube, for example, and then if they can, part of that can fit on, you know, Insta or LinkedIn or wherever you yeah. want to go, you can do that. But yeah, finding that, otherwise what you do is you create like a vanilla feel, like you don't really get into it, you know? Yeah, I, and I feel that. And I and they are different in that I feel like Facebook probably always has been a bit viral or bust, you know, whereas YouTube, you can really, if I post consistently and have a theme and keep delivering value, you can kind of get that nice growth and build a community where Facebook, it, it pops or it doesn't sometimes. And uh I think just even just being aware of that for whatever platform you're on is is important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, and to go back to your question, Ryan, like about you know being on all the platforms or or only a few, and to sort of sort of round that conversation out. I think it's really important for creators to be not well for a number of reasons, not just be on one, all eggs in one basket on the platform, right? Like yep. say if you're all in on YouTube, if something happens on that platform, then you're gone, right? Like your business, your audience, um, you need you need to be at least sort of shore up 
your audience yeah. and your connections to be across a number of platforms. Yeah, and I mean, it sounds dramatic, but a lot of TikTokers were, that was their career and suddenly it could have gone away, like just like that. So it's not as dr- dramatic as like it, it, it happens. <laughs> Definitely. And then yeah. the other part of that is like these like new platforms and, and that you might not have a following on are great places to experiment. Like if you get known for one thing, say on YouTube, and that's your livelihood, it's hard to experiment and try new things there because, you know, you might, you know, turn over the Apple card or disrupt whatever that cliche yeah. is saying. Yeah. So, um, you know, if, you, if you're new to TikTok, you can experiment and a place like TikTok, you can, the, you don't need anything other than your phone and you don't need to create a set. You, like, you can try something different um, or yeah, really reels or stories or Twitch or um whatever so yeah i think yeah it's it's good to keep and and keep your skills fresh and developing and and sort of uh, understand what you're using each platform yeah i mean even if tiktok's not important to you like you said in terms of skills and just test testing and strengthening your creativity it's a fun place to learn and try stuff and um i think when fred said the word fomo i thought yeah that's what i've got i'm scared that this one's going to take off and i focused on the other one, which um, uh, is just a part of being a human, I guess, <laughs> to some extent. But I definitely suffer from that. Yeah. Look, I'd, I'd recommend if there's a big trending platform to definitely check it out and see, you know, how it works for you or if it works or how it, you know, generally works so you get an idea of it. Um, but, yeah, just don't spread yourself too thin. Yeah, mm. 100%. Hey, uh, Ryan, I'm getting the tap on the shoulder that um, we've used up our, our time. So, um, as a very, very keen listener, you would know the next question. Like, what are your top tips for emerging creators? Um, well, for fear, like, I'm, I'm scared I'm just going to say stuff that people already know or that you've already said, but the reality is, is I've got a lot of my tips from you guys, so I'm probably just regurgitating what, you're, what you would advise. Uh, but I think whether it's brand deals or whether it's just a piece of content, is you know what's in it for them so what's in it for the brand or what's in it for the viewer if someone's going to spend two three ten minutes watching your video what's in it for them um and just hoping that they think you're funny is probably high risk (laughs) as you probably advise a lot of new youtubers if they're within a niche or they're giving some information that's valuable or teaching you something um you know that's that's really strong so just being aware of you know what's in it for them and that's probably with everything in life, really. What's in it for the other person? Um, and if you can sort of appease that, then that's a really good place to start. And I think just from a technical point of view, and this doesn't matter if it's a podcast, a radio break, a video, have a really strong start to your story. <laughs> um, I just, people don't have the attention to wait two minutes to figure out what you're on about. Give me something juicy in the hook. <laughs> Give me something cool. Um, make me interested. Make me care. <laughs> if there's something in it for me, let me know what that is straight away so then I'll decide to keep watching. And I think the amount of great videos that has great stuff in the last few minutes that never get seen is a real shame. So when you're planning your story or whatever it is, just have something fun and interesting at the start. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure that's not new to you guys, but is that, I don't know, does that seem correct to have your audience here? That's really brilliant. That, really good. That's all our advice. Man. Like, everyone do that. Um, yeah, that's really good advice. Uh, Ryan, uh, you, you escaped my two first name uh, derision as well of not trusting yeah, yeah. you, but yeah, we, yeah. we trust you because you have two first names. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. But thanks so Ryan, John, thanks so much for hanging out with us. 
No, it's uh, been fun. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm in lockdown. It's just nice to talk to another human. <laughs> thanks, mate. Create the generation. Look on the mic.